Dragon Age Inquisition is on PS4 and Xbox One, but the other two are older. They're from PS3, Xbox 360. You can also get them really cheap and play them on PC if that's more your jam. They're really good. They're really great games that I can't recommend enough. Even if you get spoiled with some shit here, but you still want to play them, I highly recommend checking them out. Anyway, commercial over, Bioware, pay me. Y'all know what it is. It's talking like a team. I'm Adrian. I'm Ashley. It's been seven, eight, nine. I don't even know how many episodes it'll be by the time this comes out. But if you haven't listened to us before, I'm sorry. If you have, <laughs> if you did, I, like I'm sorry. Regardless of whether or not it's your first or last, <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly organized chaos. Is basically how we do things here. Something that we continued from last episode is Bioware games that Ashley and I enjoy, more specifically Mass Effect, which was last episode. And I feel bad because I kind of rambled my way through it, and we didn't cover nearly half the shit we wanted to at all. Spoiler alert, there will probably be more episodes about Mass Effect at some point. Sorry if you're (laughs) not into that, but whatever, our show. Insincere enthusiasm. Yes. There will be more Mass Effect episodes. (laughs) I know it would be terrible, but like the idea of doing an episode in Elcor would be very fun. We may have to like script it out, but oh my god, it would be like a four hour episode, but I am I am here for it. And honestly, we may just have to do that. No, fuck it. I'm speaking into being <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We should find some way to make that more interactive. Just tweet either Elcor, like hashtag Elcor, yes. <laughs> or Elcor, no. <laughs> and also, just keep in mind that if we do it, uh, you brought this on yourselves. Um, we are not taking responsibility, and y'all should have knew better. We're sorry, is what he means to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dragon Age. Now, I will admit, when it comes to the EA Bioware games, at least the more current series, while I love fantasy stuff, I love the more medieval kind of Lord of the Rings vibe, Mass Effect definitely, to me, was my favorite series only because I just like dumb spaceship. (laughs) And I don't really like fantasy. I like dumb spaceship. So, the fact that I like the Dragon Age series at all, I feel like says something about how good it is because high fantasy is is fun i've definitely come around to appreciate it more but for a very long time i basically was just like the shit does not have enough robots in it and i'm bored (laughs) so with that said though i am curious what was it about dragon age that drew you to it the characters are very good this is like a weird dumb thing You know, on the PS3, when you sort of hover over a game and you haven't selected that game yet, there are certain games that play a little animation or a piece of music or something. Yeah. The title card score for the Dragon Age Origins. This is such a dumb, nerdy thing that I am actually really embarrassed about and yet I'm telling you. I downloaded the game and I didn't play it immediately. And there were times where I would just go to that title card and listen to the little piece of music that it would play. And I would listen to it over and over and over again. Eventually, one day, I was just kind of like, I feel stupid that I keep doing this. I should see what this shit is all about. And then it was kind of all downhill from there, so to speak. You're welcome. <laughs> Catalyst, you insist to pull me down. Contradict the fact that there are dragons flying around. <laughs> and it's all downhill from here. <laughs> to be fair, um, it's all downhill from here is sort of 
the best thesis statements for the Dragon Age, like, setting. Yeah, nothing good <laughs> happens at all. Like, at least Mass Effect kind of put some nice window dressing on it. Like, hey, um, this ancient race of aliens is taking over, but you get to do some cool heroic shit. But in Dragon Age, it's like, um, yeah, you start out in the shit and you stay in the shit. And guess what? You're going to end up just being shit. Uh-huh. I mean, the third game was fucking called Inquisition. Like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> um, some shit happens. <laughs> no one suspects the Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> so I've played all three games a million and one times. Where are your blind spots? I know you didn't finish the second one. I don't want to say I refuse to play the second one, but Origins reminded me of the things I loved about Mass Effect and being a total nerd. For the minute that game starts, it just puts you in this world. It shows you like the relationship between humans and like, you know, the high elves and the dark elves and how these elves are kind of like second class citizens <laughs> and like the Templars are a bunch of dicks. And, you know, there's this cool witch and she and her mom have a weird thing. Like, Shit just kind of exists, because I love where they didn't throw a bunch of, sh like, stuff at you, like, from the beginning. Like, it just puts you in here, and it's like, all right, here, here's this world, react to it. Origins is so, which, like, this is, like, a weird thing, but, like, the game is paced so well. We were talking a little bit about Skyrim last episode. Skyrim can feel very overwhelming at times, because you're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Nothing is really helpful. I feel like there's not enough exposition at the beginning of the game, but I also feel like you're supposed to be a little confused at the beginning of that game. Yeah, it's like, why am I being arrested? Uh, thank you, Dragon, for attacking so I can be free, but what the fuck? <laughs> Who are these red guys? Who are these blue guys? What is happening? I don't understand. <laughs> And then at one point, this other group is wanting me to join them. I think they're assassins. <laughs> and then I'm a fucking vampire. I like, what? So I was telling you last time about how in my Skyrim playthrough, like, I maxed out my primary weapon. I maxed out a bunch of things and I'm just kind of spinning my wheels. I think I've officially put that playthrough on the back burner for now. But, like, I was playing as this, like, super noble, like, berserker. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm bored with this. So <laughs> I started working on like archery shit and like stealth shit. And I like joined the Thieves Guild and the Dark Brotherhood and have been doing like all of those things. And I'm not getting anywhere. <laughs> and basically was just like, you know, I miss my Dragon Age friends. Because <laughs> I think when it comes to, I'm going to not spend too much time on this, but I just figured just to kind of set it up. To me, the Bethesda games, like, even though, let's say, Fallout has a more concise storyline, I mean, whether you think it's a good one or not is irrelevant, but, like, Fallout 3, New Vegas especially, because that one, it's like, there's multiple ways you can tell the story. It's a matter of which one fits you. Like, do you want to necessarily take over one of these factions? Do you want to run New Vegas? Do you want to just watch the world burn and take everybody out? What do you want to do with the time you're given? Whereas Fallout 4 is, you know, I'm not trying to spoil it, but it's more immediate and how the story's set up. But it's like, okay, you kind of start off with a purpose, but then you realize your purpose is diverted into these other things. There's your personal story, and then there's, I guess, the greater good, for lack of a better mm -hmm. term, of trying to not only find your place in this world, but make it a world that's good for you and also the other survivors. So it's like your personal stake in things is what propels you, but there's like larger stakes. And it's a matter of what's more important to you. Is it your personal agenda or is it like the world at large? So it's like, there's a lot to do there. And even with like Skyrim, even though it sounds like is this very linear story of what you're supposed to do, it's essentially like you got caught up on some shit. You're about to do like a 30 year bid, a fucking dragon shows up and then it's like, all right. Now I'm in this world. What am I supposed to do? And it's like, whatever the fuck you want. Which is the whole point. And that's the whole point of this sort of Oblivion series. It's funny that you mention Fallout New Vegas as being a little different than the rest of the Fallout, because Fallout New Vegas wasn't developed by Bethesda. Therein lies kind of the difference, because Obsidian does better storytelling as far as like a linear story than I think Bethesda games do. Dragon Age tells a pretty linear story like you know much like mass effect there is some diversion but 
again, it very much plays on the, you know, your choices change the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where you kind of wanted to start as far as with Dragon Age. I figured we'll maybe do a little bit of Origins or at least kind of do like a basic overview because Origins is the one I spent a great deal playing. Like yeah. to answer your question about like where I sort of turned off was Origins. Like at first I was like, this is good. I'm not really feeling it. But then it came to a point where it was the I'm going to honestly just turn off my phone. I'm not going to like respond to, you know, any instant messaging or text. I'm going to basically stay home, turn off my lights, order pizza, and I'm just going to just get into this world. And I did that for almost too many days. <laughs> it was like, okay, work over. Let's go home. Let's play Dragon Age and then look at the clock. It's like, shit, I got to get up in four hours for work. Whatever. I'll deal with it. <laughs> the characters are so engaging that you almost overlook some of the story flaws. But I think the pacing is, like you said, is so much better. Yes. The second game, much like with Mass Effect 2, they had similar issues, but where the first games of both series, customization of your characters, what they can do, what they can look like, is very cool, very involved. My problem is, in the second game of both series, it looked like EA was like, hey, all that RBG shit's cool, Bioware, but can you, like, make this more action-y? And it's like, that's not really what we do. Yeah, but you know... We want more swords. We want more fights. Whereas Mass Effect's story elevated what became a lot more simplistic gameplay, which sucked. Mm -hmm. Dragon Age took away what I think made the first game unique. They took a lot of the RPG out. But at least personally speaking, I didn't feel that the second game gave me enough interesting character development to stick around long enough. But I've played a little bit of Inquisition, and mm-hmm. I liked what they did, but it also relied on me to have paid attention in the second game, which I didn't do. So I can provide you with some tools and the perfect headspace to get you through too, so that you can play Inquisition. I promise you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, It's going to be rough sailing, but... I can help you with that. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I just thought it was that new pornographer song, like Mutiny, I Promise You. I feel it's like yeah. Inquisition, I Promise You. <laughs> Dragon Age 2 and Mass Effect 3, man. Those two games suffer from the same problem. And that problem can be summed up in two letters. EA. Where EA pushed Bioware into these ridiculously short turnaround times. So just information for information's sake, Dragon Age Origins had five years of development, and they were basically given whatever time they needed to build that game. Right. Dragon Age 2, the turnaround time was 16 months. What? Yeah. Excuse me? 16 months. I'm sorry, but if someone came in and was like, hey, yeah, 16 months to build this entire game, I was like, you can kiss my ass. Yeah, 16 months for a game that was not intended to have a sequel. Dragon Age sold so well and was so revered that EA, of course, was like, let's capitalize on this. Quick question. I don't, I'm sorry if this diverts too far from what you're no, saying, you're- but um, what was that one Dragon Age DLC that had come out? Awakening? Yeah, there are a few DLCs for Origins. Awakening is the biggest one. Now, was that also planned or was that, again, them trying to capitalize? I think as far as the DLC was concerned for Dragon Age Origins... I think it was all pretty much planned from the get. I'm, I can't speak to that 100%, to be perfectly honest. The interesting thing with Awakening, there's at least one set of DLC per game that sort of does this, where it nudges you into the second game, which on one hand is really cool as far as storytelling is concerned. On the other hand, it's that predatory DLC paying for it bit. That's a little annoying where you're paying for information that you need in order to fully understand the next game. And that's shitty. Yeah, because in Mass Effect, they did that with, I forget the name of the DLC, but there was that one that literally led directly into the events of 3 regarding the Reapers. Like the whole fact that, hey, we were being warned that they were coming. In this game, you get like hard confirmation. And I love that series, so I didn't mind paying the DLC. I mean, I had no choice. Yeah, but that DLC fucking sucks. It's really hard. Yeah, but by the same token, I just needed it in an all Mass Effect in my eyes 24-7. So, you know, if it's a series I like, 
I'll bite the bullet, even if I'm not really fond of it, or fond of the practice, I should say. But you're right, it did feel a little predatory, which to me, going back to what you're saying about EA, is I think something that really took Dragon Age and kept it from being an even more legendary series. Like It's, it's yeah. well-received, and people love it, but it could have been so much more than it was. Hell, Mass Effect could have been even more than what it was. If it was just allowed to just live and breathe. Makes me sad. (laughs) So, Adrian. Yes, Ashley. My dude. What up? (laughs) Um, When you played Origins, what Origin did you play? Do you remember? No, but I don't know if you have the ability to, like, do you remember which Origins were what? Because I know there's a few of them. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> do I know which word? I'm sorry. I just, did I just pull the O? Oh, do you know about Mass Effect? And I swear <laughs> to God, I wasn't being mansplaining. Like, I just. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, do you know how many fingers you have on your hand right now? I don't know. I've never actually, you know, you could have like two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have five. Awesome. It's like, I've seen pictures of your hands. I knew that answer. I just I just don't assume anything. It was like, how four to two of them were, like, digitally put in. <laughs> um. So, for somebody who's never played this game, one really cool aspect of the game is that you can be multiple races of characters. They've got elves, dwarves, and humans. And you get to sort of choose where your character comes from. Each origin story is about 45 minutes worth of gameplay before they all sort of converge in different ways onto the main story, which is really cool and apparently really expensive, which is why they've never done it again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There are five origins. There was supposed to be a sixth origin, but they dropped it. There's the human noble origin. There's the mage origin, which you can play as a human or an elf. There's the dwarven noble origin, the dwarven commoner origin, the city elf origin, and then the Dalish elf origin. Wait, did I actually pick the human noble? Because I could have sworn my character was a noble. I know I did two playthroughs. One of them I never finished, which I think was the... um. What are the elves that they hated? Like, I know it's a terrible way to... <laughs> um, There were the city elves that were in, like, alienages and shit like that. But I know I was a human, so it might have been a noble in the first one. Yeah, basically, with the humans, if you were sword and board, you were a human noble. If you did magic, you were a mage. Yeah, because I usually don't pick mages off the rip in any, like, not even Mass Effect, I didn't even do, like, a lot of the biotic stuff until later on, because I'm bad at it. Like, uh-huh. in even in Skyrim, I'm, like, trying to, like, zap somebody, and I'm like, what the fuck is this spell? That's not the right one. Like, how does Doctor Strange do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, Not to go back to talking shit about Skyrim, I feel like the magic gameplay mechanics are not well explained. I did not bother with magic, because I was like, look, Morgan's on my team, I'm just gonna sling the sword, like, you just stand back, and you just start throwing shit, because honestly, me and Magic are just not great. So I think I was a human noble, and I remember not liking my character, because it was just like, I didn't like the fact that I was so, like, highly regarded. But then playing, like, the elves, I'm like, oh, man, racism sucks. Turns out, not great. <laughs> and I love Dragon Age for that, because something I wish Mass Effect had done, and I was hoping that when word came out about Andromeda, that they would do this is allow you to play other races because something about the Mass Effect series is, and something that the first game sets up but never really does much about, is Mm -hmm. talking about how, you know, especially when you get to the Citadel and talk to the embassies and seeing how each race is regarded and how some races feel that humans have been given too much too quickly, whereas other alliance races were there longer and arguably contributed more but weren't given the same concessions that humans were. And I think that the series forcing you to play human should have fed into that more. Because to Mm -hmm. me, that's the real interesting shit to me. Like, shooting at stuff's always fun, but I just love those power dynamics and exploring them and using games to talk about this kind of thing. Because, like, can you imagine playing as, like, either a Turian or maybe even an Asari and just seeing, like, how their interactions with, you know, other races, it changes. Hell, even as, like, a Solarian. Or playing as, like, a Quarian. 
that's that's one of those things like you don't really see a lot of racism like blatant racism in mass effect aside from humans being like aliens are trash and the quarians kind of consistently being treated like second-class citizens right because everybody's mad at them it's like y'all built yeah. the geth and the geth took over so they have that on their shoulders but to me like and I'm sorry to make this more about Mass Effect, but that's no, my reference fine. point. But the Shepard Garris dynamic, to me, I think is an important one because the Turians were the first alien race they fought in the first mm-hmm. contact war. And that's a very big deal in the series. Yes. Of like, you know, we get into deep space, and the first thing we do is get into this war with this other alien race and it you know it's kind of plays on the same tropes about colonialism and like entering a space that's not technically yours and i think the garris shepherd situation could have maybe played on that more of being like not like the oh we defeated racism because we're friends but that it's an uneasy re- alliance because yes i may be c-sec and i am a part of the law even though i like to bend the rules but I don't really trust humans all that much. And you being a human is like, you don't trust anybody who doesn't look like you, you piece of shit. That's a really interesting idea. Because they use Garrus as sort of like a moral compass for Shepard. Right. Um, Because so much of his character arc is based on what you do. Like he watches you and in turn sort of tries to be you through one way or another, whether you are Paragon or Renegade. But... Your idea is really interesting, and now I'm mad they didn't do it. I kind of imagine Garrus being a lot younger than they make him out to be. Yeah. Because what's the name of the one ambassador for the Turians? Like, he's like, you humans suck, but whatever. Like, you know, we'll deal with you. But I think about the Turians that dealt with humans in, like, the first contact war and how they must feel about humans. But maybe Garrus being more removed from that scenario, maybe not necessarily being okay with humanity, but just at least not having the growing up with those same grudges, maybe based on maybe what he was taught. Cause I'm sure if you go to a Turian school, they're like, these fucking humans showed up and just started blasting shit. <laughs> it's sad when you think about their schools now where people teach, let's say the civil war or things like slavery or, and just generally like sociology, but right. from this very one sided perspective. And I think again, maybe I'm giving EA and Bioware too much credit, but it would have been really cool to see that explored in a series where you're shooting at aliens. Cause it's like, I'm a human. I'm shooting at aliens. They're shooting at us. But think about what are we doing? As you know, I didn't finish Andromeda. I'll get there. I promise. Um, we all will. But. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's really cool about Andromeda though is they actually have a kill counter built into their like menu. HUD stuff. So you have to sort of deal with how many aliens and whatnot that you've killed. I don't know. Being sort of faced to look at the morality of the decisions that you've made. That shit is really interesting to me. Man, your idea is really good. Sorry, I don't know where that came from, but (laughs) (laughs) the last good idea I'll have tonight. (laughs) But to kick it back your way, Something that I do appreciate about Origins is it at least attempted in some minor ways to do this, where depending on the race you picked, your dialogue and how you interact with other people, other beings, creatures, what have you, does change a little bit. Yes. Whereas, like, especially with the elves, like, you know, they're looked down on and, like, I got cursed out more often than not. So, yeah, I ended up mouthing off a lot as an elf. I'm like, excuse me? Uh-huh. Like... <laughs> Well, because the protagonist is not voiced, they give you a ton of dialogue options. So you can really dramatically change who your character is. So you can play as an elf who is kind of okay with humans from the get, or you can play as an elf who is very distrusting and really wants nothing to do with humans on a larger scale, which is really cool. It's very cool. And I wish more games of this kind, especially in games that really rely on decisions and your conversations and your interactions, to have more depth in that regard. Which is why I think 2 soured me a little bit, because I felt like a lot of that was disregarded. We'll get there. (laughs) Now, but again, you being the much bigger fan and having a a much more in-depth knowledge of this world. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, honestly, at this point, if you haven't played these games, they're fucking, like, decades old. I mean, so, spoilers and all. <laughs> um, if you are interested in playing them, I know all three of them are available on Xbox One if you don't have an old system. Dragon Age Inquisition is on PS4 and Xbox One, but the other two are older. They're from PS3, Xbox 360. You can also get them really cheap and play them on PC, if that's more your jam. They're really good. They're really great games that I can't recommend enough. Even if you get spoiled with some shit here, but you still want to play them, I highly recommend checking them out. Anyway, commercial over, Bioware, pay me. (laughs) So you did Human Noble, and it sounds like you probably did City Elf. City Elf? I've played all of the Origins, at least the Origins, even if I haven't completed complete playthroughs with those Origins. The City Elf Origin tends to be the one that I use the most often. It's really sad. (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently I am a sad sack. And the City Elf Origin is the only Origin that is dramatically changed by what gender you play. Because you wake up and it's it's your wedding day, and these human noble dickbag guys come and take your cousin and basically like round up a group of elf ladies. And if you play as a woman, your betrothed is murdered kind of in front of you. And if you play as a dude, like your lady is just sort of in with that group of women and you don't really see her again. I think I've only done that one once. I think that was the one I did. Which was kind of a bummer. It's and I was like, very sad. I kind of wish that there was maybe another option where maybe we don't start off with this was essentially at the beginning of Kill Bill, but yeah. <laughs> um, the other option is play a different origin. <laughs> yeah, it's like, damn, like can we can we get this option where things aren't great, but I'm gonna be an adventure? Like, I don't know. It just. In retrospect, and maybe this is just me now, but mm-hmm. there's part of that storyline where it does feel a little, like, Whedon-esque, which I'm like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, hey, guys, can we, um, I don't know. I, I just, I have some thoughts here, but I still do like this game. <laughs> well, maybe another origin is for you. Um, the human noble origin is basically a revenge tale in which a noble guy that's voiced by Tim Curry uh, murders your entire family. You're like, hey, it's Tim Curry. Like, uh-huh. By the time I realized it was his voice, like, hey, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's Tim Curry, he plays a slimy dick bag perfectly. I know, and he's so charming as he does it. And like, uh-huh. I hate that. Stop making me appreciate your dick baggery, <laughs> Mr. Curry. Like, you're a legend, but stop. Don't make me. Why are you like this? <laughs> If you're going to replay this game more than once, definitely give the Human Noble origin a spin, because just getting to hang out with Tim Curry is very fun. He does come back in the game regardless of your origin, but it's so much more satisfying coming at it from that angle where you're like, you murdered my whole family. Like, go fuck yourself. The Dalish elves. So the other elf origin, the Dalish elves are basically nomads. So as an elf, you kind of have two options. You have the, we respect the old ways. We are nomads. It borrows a lot from like indigenous people culture and that sort of thing. Right. Um, It's like the people who are in touch with that or those who may be a little removed and what that does to a culture. Which is really interesting. Their culture is so interesting. If you are a lore nerd like I am. But in that, basically, you are sent with your friend to investigate this weird mirror thing. Um, This weird mirror thing kills your friend because evil magic. And then you fight a bunch of the... the, I think it's the only origin that you really deal with the Darkspawn. So yeah, that happens. The Dwarven Noble, if you're into sort of political intrigue stuff, that is an origin that's really fun. You're the second of three noble siblings. Your brother is supposed to be king. 
your youngest brother is a ruthless dickbag who basically kills your eldest brother and makes it look like you did it, so you are exiled. <laughs> um, oh, classic exile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, there's nothing more quaint in fantasy than being framed for the murder of someone important. It's like, god damn it. Right? Like, this shit happens so often, I'm like, well... <laughs> Must be Tuesday. <laughs> Here I am running for my life. I get it. It's a little it's a little tropey. A lot of stuff from Dragon Age Origins is a little tropey, but it's all really well done. I'm just an asshole who likes kind of like make one of those tropes. <laughs> I can't really complain about tropes when like the MCU and like Fast and Furious are like some of my two favorite franchises and they're like tropey as hell. You can make a sandwich with the layers of tropes on. <laughs> <laughs> You could wedge them between, like, sourdough bread and just, like, <laughs> unhinge your jaw to, like, chow down all that tropage. Hey, for all the shit that we talk about, things being tropey, tropes are there for a reason. The dwarven commoner origin, you're part of this, like, gang of criminals, and you do criminal shit, and through sort of happenstance, you end up fighting in this series of battles and you are deemed a hero, and then they find out that you are a commoner, and they get really mad, and then you are exiled. <laughs> <laughs> so this really—I love how like the first game it really is like a choose your own adventure. It's like, oh, regardless of what page you turn, you're getting exiled at some point. Yes. Like you ain't staying here. <laughs> like you like all this cool shit. Well, too bad. They all end up in some in one form of exile or another because you are all recruited by the Grey Wardens. And then the last one, this setting handles magic in a way that's really interesting. And you delve into it further in subsequent games. A person isn't born inherently with magic, but magic doesn't show until you're like in your late childhood. So like eight, eight years old to like 10 years old. Like X-Men, like how like the X gene doesn't show up until you reach puberty kind of thing. Yes. At which point, they send you to the mansion to learn how to do your magic shit properly. <laughs> but for the most part, those people are confined to these mage houses forever. And they're watched by these Templar guys who, depending on the Templar, are great or not great. But in the mage opening, it's really cool because you get to sort of see what the mage tower looks like. You get to go through your sort of coming of age as far as mage shit is concerned. You have to pass a test. Oh, I should have did that one. That sounds actually kind of cool. It's very cool. I don't like playing as a mage in Dragon Age Origins, though. Not at all. <laughs> it's it's fine. We can talk about the combat stuff later with that game. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, only no, because sure. it's not great. No, but it's it's interesting to talk about the combat in each game because it's changed a lot but basically in the mage origin if the mages don't pass their test they're kind of lobotomized basically so that they can't do magic holy shit uh they are called the tranquil basically there's the part of the brain that is associated with dreaming and emotions that's sort of just uh lobotomized for lack of a better word but you find out that your, like, best friend is going to be made tranquil. But he is in love with this Chandry lady, and you are supposed to help him sort of sneak out and all this other stuff. Why did Coheed never write an album about this? I don't... Are they gamers? Like, have they played this shit? I don't know. They did a song for fucking Batman. <laughs> <laughs> like, that whole plotline totally sounds like some year of the Black Rainbow shit. Yes. All paths converge when the leader of the Grey Wardens, his name is Duncan, rolls up to your subsequent origin and is like, what up? I am recruiting for the Grey Wardens. And then whatever X plot device that gets you exiled or in trouble happens, he's like, well, I have your get out of jail free card. It's called becoming a Grey Warden. And the Grey Wardens are warriors who fight these demons, which are called Darkspawn. And every once in a while, these darkspawn that live underground sort of converge. They come up to the surface. This is known as a blight. The wardens are there to fight the blights. Spoiler alert, there's a blight happening. I was like, I'm here to talk to you about the Grey Warden Initiative. <laughs> 
So once Duncan basically teaches you, he gives you like an exposition dump, you become a Grey Warden, and then there's a battle, and then uh, Duncan is murdered, and now you are the leader of the Grey Wardens. Because all the rest of the Grey Wardens have been murdered, except for your buddy, Alistair. We could do at least five episodes on Alistair. My fucking dude. You think you contain multitudes? (laughs) (laughs) My dude, Alistair, contains multitudes on multitudes. (laughs) My god. (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, my maker, actually, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) Just so everyone is aware of where my biases lay. Um... (laughs) Alistair is my homeboy. I will do anything and everything to protect that sweet summer child. <laughs> you know what it is? I'm so conflicted. I, I almost want to just yell ATAB where it's like, all Templars are bad. Yes. Because <laughs> it's like, they're essentially the cops? Yes. But Alistair is like, okay, yes, <laughs> you are the cops. Hashtag Fast and Furious. Um. <laughs> Yes, but technically, he's not a cop. He just went through police academy. He never became a real cop. Because he's fucking Alistair. (laughs) (laughs) My sweet dear Alistair. (laughs) This was one of those things that, like, made me feel like a smarty pants when I found out. I was playing through the game one of the first few times, and I'm like, Alistair reminds me of another character. Who is that character? Oh, wait, I know exactly who that character is. It's Xander from Buffy. Yes. Um, and Holy then, shit, how have I never put that together? <laughs> and Why then was it not voiced by Nicholas Brendan? <laughs> <laughs> and then I read an interview with one of the writers for the games, and Xander from Buffy was a uh, main sort of influence on Alistair's character. So I've taken to calling him medieval Xander. That is perfect, because between him and Morgan, it's like, okay, take later seasons Willow, but just make her a lot... Bitchier? Yeah. <laughs> <Then you laughs> He's kind of like Caden in that regard. Like, how are you so hapless in this world that's full of all this shit? This is the difference between Alistair and Caden. Alistair's sort of naivete and that, like, mask of, of idiocy and humor is actually covering up a dude who's super competent, but just doesn't want to be in charge. Whereas with Caden, I I don't know, like that that mask of just like silliness and, and boring shit. Caden does not contain multitudes. Total aside, in that playthrough that we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. I have Caden actually on my team. It is so boring. It is the driest. Like, I feel like I just have to just gun people down just to, like, get excitement. Oh, my God. But anyway, please continue, because they are so dull. Be really mean to Caden. It hurts my heart to tell you to do that. But be really mean to Caden, he gets very funny. Not very funny, but he gets funnier. Let's talk about Morrigan. Oh, yeah. In the way that Alistair is my sweet summer child, I think Morrigan is your sweet summer child. Yes, because Morrigan to me, and I, it's funny, as someone who last time was so conflicted about doing the quote-unquote wrong thing and just being so ruthless in Mass Effect. I think in this world, she is the perfect foil and companion to Alistair because whereas he's just so goofy, whereas she's just that dose of reality that I think someone like him just needs. You should hate her. You should dislike her. Yes. She should be the absolute worst, and I honestly feel like she is. Talk about multitudes. Multitudes cubed. (laughs) (laughs) you thought your parents are conflicted listeners (laughs) oh my god Flemeth is a goddamn bomb she's so great (laughs) she is bad that's the thing like in this world where everybody just feels not necessarily wooden but very like one dimensional like look I'm just me we're gonna do our shit y'all just you're boring you're basic I'm also a dragon check this shit out <laughs> Yo, Flemeth, like, what the hell? I'm gonna show you what the hell. It's like, oh, goddamn, this is like the end of Sleeping Beauty. Like, I'm sorry, when I had to fight her, I honestly paused the game and put on Mastodon. <laughs> you know what? That checks out. <laughs> because it was just some metal shit. She's like, come at me. Like, all right. And then she's like, that's like, do you know who I am? 
so not to spoil shit for Inquisition, um, if you can make it through the second game, you find out a lot more about Flemeth. And you get to hang out with her, which is very fun. But no, Morgan, like, I, I even had to buy the Morgan Disapproved shirt because, like, she's so awesome. I love her to death. In her conversations with Alistair are just pitch perfect. It's essentially like putting, like, a devout Christian, like, in this just blatant atheist together and force them to have to fight the same battle? <laughs> Watch the fun begin! So, Morgan is a mage who is raised in a swamp with her mother, whose name is Flemeth. Um, Flemeth is voiced by Captain Janeway. Wait! Kate yes. Mulgrew was Flemeth? How yes. did I... My captain! <laughs> Your I'm captain. saluting right now. I, don't, I know you can't see this, but... <laughs> um, she's doing a very similar accent to her character in Orange is the New Black, which is very fun. That is amazing. But fucking Kate Mulgrew. She's so great. Oh my god, if you've not seen her on... Uh, the one I was on Adult Swim, it was like NTSF SDSUV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she is fucking amazing on that show. I just have to throw it out there. Basically, the mages that refuse to go to the tower are called apostates. Flemeth and Morgan are apostates. So you have a guy who didn't become a Templar completely because he was recruited by the Grey Wardens, but was raised to be a Templar and this apostate witch. And those are your first two companions that you get. It's very funny. (laughs) It's perfect pacing and it's really smart in that immediately you were sort of given your morality scale through these two characters. And then you recruit Liliana and Sten next. Do you remember much about Liliana and Sten? You know, she almost reminded me of Saffron from Firefly. Yes. There, there's got to be some sort of correlation here because it was almost too similar in certain cases. Liliana goes on to be a big character in Inquisition. But the Liliana you meet in Inquisition is very different from the Liliana you get in Origins. The Liliana you get in Origins... I have sort of conflicting feelings about. She's one of the romanceable characters and I don't like it. (laughs) Moral of the story, I don't really like it. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't connect with Liliana in Origins. And I'm glad that they gave her more to do in the later games from what you're telling me because she Mm -hmm. felt a little like a blank slate. And I don't know if that was intentional or maybe it's, like I said, it's been a while. Maybe I'm just forgetting story elements, but I just feel like there's something missing there. So basically with Liliana, you find out that she used to be a spy for the Orlesian government and that she stumbled upon some state secret stuff. And there's actually a whole DLC that sort of explains that stuff. And the DLC is pretty fun. Her character arc basically ends with her confronting her mentor and deciding whether or not she wants to embrace this dark side and kill people and that that part's fun, or if she wants to sort of turn away from that and embrace this religion and that sort of stuff that has given her peace recently. That's a really interesting place to leave an arc, and you have a lot of say on that, which is very cool. It almost reminds me of Black Widow a little bit and kind of like that. Can you really wipe, you know, the slate clean? Yeah. I don't know. I just there's just something about Liliana that I didn't connect with. Um, I think she's a really interesting character. I am glad that they've brought her back and given her way more stuff to do in Inquisition. I think she's a really interesting character in Inquisition, but I don't want to spoil anything for you. I don't know when I'm going to play Inquisition again, and if it's easier to spoil it, I, I mean, we've already threw up a spoiler tag, so I'll put up another one, uh, spoilers, but I am actually really interested to see how that kind of plays out. She basically starts from a place of being hardened, and you can either choose to double down on that, or to remind her of her humanity. Her role is different. She's not a companion in Inquisition. She takes on an advisory role. But yeah, she's a fucking badass in Inquisition. I think that is cool, and I'm glad that at least Inquisition, in some way, at least from an outsider's perspective, because like I said, I may be only playing like the first two missions, and 
I just set it down and never came back to it. Right. I mean, I also had like knee surgery at the time and well, <laughs> it was like I could be hopped up on pain meds and try to play Dragon Age Inquisition or I could just play Diablo where I'm just dungeon crawling and just beating the crap out of demons while listening to power metal. So I went that route. Which was a smarter route, I think, because Inquisition sort of starts out like most RPGs where it's it's a lot of exposition at the beginning. Yeah, and having skipped a whole game, well, not a whole game, but a good chunk of a game. Yeah. It felt like it was going to take a lot more of my time. And again, that stuff's my jam, but it just never seemed like the right time to start it. I understand. Dragon Age may be my video game equivalent to Game of Thrones. (laughs) But let's talk about Dragon Age 2 for a minute. You can get through it. I believe in you. What you need to sort of do is just sort of change your frame of reference for it. Think of Dragon Age 2 as a bottle episode, because that's what it is. (laughs) And you probably don't remember, but in the very first, like the opening scene of Dragon Age 2, they're dragging in this dwarfy guy, and the whole thing is set up where he is sort of narrating the happenings of your game to this um, lady who you find out later runs the Inquisition. So if you think about the game from that perspective, like this is a story that this dude is telling, it helps to sort of make things more interesting. And it explains some of the messiness that came with the 16-month turnaround time. Because there's a lot of layouts that are reused. God, I think that was one of the worst, especially since Origins is such like this beautiful, lived in, and at times terrifying, broodmother, um, (laughs) world to live in. You, like, I felt really into it, whereas Dragon Age 2, and I hate, this is a weird complaint, but it felt so much like a video game. Like, I was aware of how much they reused maps and how much they just recycled so much, and I get it. Like, I now know why it was the way it was. And I don't mean to necessarily give Bioware shit for it, but... Uh, everyone else did. <laughs> yeah, and I... Uh, but I also remember, like, how people were complaining about, let's say, the end of Mass Effect 3 where they changed it. And I'm still kind of conflicted about that. But I think that was, to me, the biggest issue was how much they reused certain maps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in a game like this, this feels painfully disrespectful. Yes. They made a cave map, they made a warehouse map, they made a forest map and like a city map, and that was it. And they just reused parts of those maps throughout the whole entire fucking game, which is fine if you're just doing a very precursory playthrough, but if you complete the game 100% like I do every single time, and I know you have completionist tendencies as well, it gets very boring. I'm not doing a good job at selling this. <laughs> no, but you basically did. Like, 2 is not the best game, but think of it as putting up with a little bit of bullshit to at least get some payoff in Inquisition. Yes, and I think the the ending of 2 is really good. There are some characters who I have issue with as far as Dragon Age 2, the companions, but there are some really interesting characters. There's enough in this game to cobble together an enjoyable experience. Especially if you can sort of double down on the frame of reference of the structure of the game and the idea of, uh, you find out the the dwarf who's telling the story of your game, his name is Varric. If you think of Varric as being an unreliable narrator. Um, which is exactly what he is. Which is exactly what he is. <laughs> Which, why do I feel like, in a way, that's such a, like, respectable cop-out to be like, look, our story isn't shitty, he's just telling it poorly. Look at him, he's a fucking drunken idiot. But, I mean, it's one of those where, like, yeah, you know what, am I bending over backwards to whistle past the fact that, like, they released a game that was only halfway finished? Yeah, I am. But, there's enough good stuff there I think that it at least merits one playthrough. I understand if you play through it once and you're like, that was a thing that I did, and then you never play it again. I get it. It's worth playing through at least once. I do want to give it a shot. I generally do, because there are so many games I'm realizing, you know what? I'm getting older. 
I'd hate to go out realizing like, not having played a game series that the first intro I really enjoyed. Right. Just because, like, look, Dragon Age hurt me, but maybe it's time for me to get past that hurt. Maybe it's time to let the healing begin and just admit that sometimes, like, the flaws are the flaws and you could either move past them and continue on with the game or I could just realize that those flaws aren't worth it and go elsewhere. And Jesus Christ, that sounded a little bit too good. Wow. <laughs> we went some places. If it makes you feel better, uh, if you deal with that pirate bitch correctly, you get to give her back to the canary, which is very satisfying because she fucks you over so hard. And looking back, and not that Mass Effect is music is either, but my lord, does the Dragon Age series not great with the ladies. Um, I would argue, especially with Inquisition, Dragon Age does a much better job of handling its female characters than Mass Effect does. Well, that's good to know, because like I said, I haven't played a lot of Inquisition. Oh, there was that one lady who was like a general who was really cool. Yeah. I don't remember her name, but I remember playing that much and being like, I want to be you. As far as representation is concerned, Inquisition is the best game that I've played, personally. You have gay characters, you have straight characters, you have bisexual characters, um, you have a character who's transgender. It's cool because you get to have that conversation with him and sort of ask him, like, how did you know? For the people that have never really gotten the chance to sit down and interact with somebody who is transgender, this is a really cool way for them to be able to do that. And to put a face with a term, I guess, there's a romance in Inquisition that deals with BDSM, which is really well done and really well researched. And it's not Fifty Shades of Grey. There's just there's always going to be this part of me that is... No, not even a part of me, like a, a major part of me now that is really just tired of playing dudes with buzz cuts who sound like this. <laughs> who are like tortured and weathered and they have these very basic reasons as to why they're just mowing down people with M16s. Like, don't get me wrong, I enjoy my shooters, I enjoy my action games, but I want games to explore these ideas. I, I wish that the representation didn't just happen even on screen, but even behind the scenes. For sure. Not to necessarily get on my soapbox, but I think it's super important to have game developers, game writers, even game testers to have these people who reflect our actual society. Because I think to have that, to have these different perspectives, to make these games really feel like real lived in worlds versus just the basic, you know, blank slate avatar. I do at least give credit to when attempts are made and at least steps are made to show that. So... In a weird way, I think you sold me on Inquisition. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to play through each game, but mm -hmm. I may just pick it up because at the last I checked, it's like really cheap. Well, and if you need me to fill in the plot holes to get you to Inquisition, I can also do that. <laughs> uh, don't say that because I feel bad at blowing up your text enough as it is. That's nah, fine. <laughs> what did I miss here? It's like, for the love of God, Adrian, you could have just spent like the 20 hours to play Dragon Age 2. Leave me alone. <laughs> Um, no, man, their characters in fucking Inquisition, they're just so great. I love them so much. Like, I'm on, again, I think this is like my 12th playthrough that I just started the other day. It's been a, it's been a bit since I've been in this world, and man, did I miss it. The one thing I do appreciate about Mass Effect was at least feeling like your character really made strides and transitions between each game. I think with Inquisition, and maybe that's because like not every game came out on the same platform. Right. But I wish there was a little bit more of that. And maybe if that were the case, maybe it wouldn't feel as weird. Not to get extra spoilery. A cool thing that happens is Dragon Age isn't set up the way that Mass Effect is, where you have a protagonist who you take with you. Your player character changes in each game, but you do get to bring your character from the second game to the third game not for the whole game it's just for one mission <laughs> but it's really cool to see how your character and depending on how your specific dragon age world is set up your hawk can hang out with 
your Inquisitor and Alistair, which is really fun. <laughs> Man, video games are awesome. Video games are so awesome. <laughs> which is why I generally wish that Bioware was able to do that thing that Bungie was able to do when it came with Microsoft, where they finally were able to kind of break free and they made some general strides with Destiny 2, whereas I feel like originally it was a game that wasn't very highly regarded, but now sort of being able to do their own thing, like they're trying to improve the game experience. And I have played Destiny 2, and I know it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea, but I played a little bit with like the, you know, the game we played GTA with, and it's it's enjoyable. Like, I don't know what it was before, but what I played now, it's like, okay, is this revolutionary? Maybe not, but I was much more invested now. But I kind of wish they were at a position where they were able to do more, or at least be with a publisher that really understood what they were doing, and not EA. Because I keep thinking about Anthem, and nothing about this sounds fun. No. You and I both played the one of the demos that they released before Anthem came out. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was fine. I didn't hate it. I wasn't necessarily like wanted to go pre-order or anything. No, it didn't sell me on Anthem, but Anthem was also a game that was going to be a hard sell for me regardless. Um, just because like that's not really my cup of tea. But the the hub world in Anthem looks really fucking cool. I'm pleased to see that the characters look better and that we're not doing the I can't feel my face shit <laughs> from Andromeda. Oh. Um, <laughs> I broke Adrian. <laughs> Um, for those who don't remember, <laughs> I'm trying to power through. It's not I'm working. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm going to stop crying. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is the best slash worst slash like, oh no. <laughs> but I can't think of a more apt description. Because <laughs> now it's um, all stuck in my head and I can't. <laughs> Unseen, like now, every time I hear that, I'm gonna think about that game. <laughs> they tried so hard. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think it was that bad until like it was pointed out, and then I couldn't unsee it. And then I'm like, oh no, what's happening? I'm scared. Make it go away. <laughs> um, for those who don't remember. <laughs> When Andromeda first came out, they've since patched it, and the the characters look like people and yeah. emote like people. But holy shit, just pop on YouTube. The video clip is like thirty seconds long. The my face is tired shit is very funny and also really sad. Ooh, that was a thing. <laughs> the the characters in Anthem don't look like that. They actually look like humans that emote. Which gives me hope for Dragon Age 4, which is in development right now. Right. They have not really said anything as far as a timeline is concerned. I'm expecting it probably 2021. And knowing from what I've heard about Inquisition versus 2, whatever time they need to make this game, just give them that time. Give it to them. Do you want it done quick? And have it be, you know, a bit of a mess? Or do you, you want them to take the time and make a good product that'll stand the test of time? That'll get fans excited, you know, new fans brought in. And we've seen this all the time. Like, you know, you rush things and they just don't come out necessarily right. And crunch is a very big thing. And I'm glad that people are finally starting to speak out about it regarding mm -hmm. game development. Because... I love video games. I really do. But the idea that someone literally has like PTSD to make a game for me to play, that shouldn't be the case. No. You and I talked about that a lot around the time that Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. Yeah. Where you and I both were sort of like, I want to play this game, but I have really icky feelings about buying it. And like, I want my money to sort of go to projects and to companies that 
I think are doing good work and that treat their employees correctly. And I don't know how I feel about it. And yeah, I did end up buying Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I did hear Rockstar was trying to do better. You know, it shouldn't have taken this long, but I'm glad that between the press and the publicity that those stories got, even though they tried to kind of brush it under a little Mm -hmm. bit, because there was a little bit of this, oh, hey, this game sold very well, but I'm like, yeah, but hold on, there's other things happening too, like, don't ignore this. So I'm glad that at least the pressure was kept on where it looks like they did make some steps towards not doing that anymore, but... I think that it sent a message, I think, to a lot of studios that need to do better by game developers and people who work on these games, because much like comics, movies, music. Yes, I think that Dragon Age 2 is not a great game, but there are a lot of people who worked a lot of hours (laughs) to make this game, and it may not entirely be their fault. Yeah. I'll cut them some slack, because you know what? I'm not a kid anymore where it's like, oh, this game sucks, and the people who make it suck. I'm like, no, that's someone worked on that. (laughs) No, I mean, I talked to one of the guys that worked on it on Twitter. We talked about the Oilers. Like, they're people. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And they're really nice people. Bioware sort of ran into some similar problems with Crunch. There were a couple of Kotaku articles that sort of threw them under the bus as far as, like, not being very organized and that sort of thing as far as the Anthem development is concerned. From what it sounds like... It sounds like they've made some changes over there as well. I have high hopes for this game. Do not sing Panic at the Disco at me. I will punch you. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it, and now look what you did. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see what happens. And I hope it is good. And I think really what Uh, makes me want to play this game is your enthusiasm for it. I hope it's good for your sake. Otherwise, you get to hear a lot of crying and swearing and... Just not good things. <laughs> oh, damn. Okay. Well, you know what? Not for nothing. You s- sat there and watched me get hyper emotional about people driving cars off of buildings and shit. So, you know what? That is only fair because when you feel as strongly as you do when you're fandoms, mm-hmm. in, in a way where you're not being shitty about it, mind you. Yes. It's hard to not want the games or things that you love to be good, especially since there's an anticipation. And not like they necessarily go out of their way to make them bad, but come on, like let's let's be honest. Dragon Age is maybe does not the biggest fan base, but has a dedicated fan base. Oh hell yeah. These people are fucking nuts. Well, alright, your word's not mine. <laughs> but I get it. I had a bitch come at me about like the length of hair for a character and shit. I'm just hoping that the gameplay is good and that the storyline is well developed and that, you know, they kind of continue to build on some of the themes that they've kind of touched upon. For sure. Because I think Dragon Age does a really good job. I think even more so than Mass Effect regarding some of that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think hair color or hair length is your issues. (laughs) I think y'all have some deep-seated grudges that it's just coming out in this video game. (laughs) Like, it, like, granted, if this were like Skyrim's, like, y'all motherfuckers need Talos. <laughs> <laughs> My Talos! Um. <laughs> now I gotta post that on the show notes because that is a reference. <laughs> oh my god. I killed that dude. That was the last thing I did on my Skyrim playthrough before I put it away. I killed that dude so fucking hard, and I paid the $1,000 bounty, and I didn't even care. It was very satisfying. I'm like, you scream so much, my guy. Please shut up about your dung of mortality or whatever the fuck. God. (laughs) Well, I mean, Ashley won Fundamentalist Zero, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> and Inquisition's so rad. One of the companions for Inquisition is this Grace Jones bitch who's fucking rad. And so many people don't like her because she's a bitch. But she's so cool. I love her so much. Shit, I may actually just play Inquisition without playing too. You know what? I don't care what happens. Because <laughs> now I just want to play this game. It's like, do I really have to sit through two again? And I almost don't want to play one because the broodmother... Made me physically sick. (laughs) She's so gross. 
But not even just the boss fight itself, but leading up to it. Yeah. Is, oh my gentle Jesus. Like, remember in Mass Effect 3 when you actually finally end up at the, uh, what the hell's the name of the freaking Star Child or what the hell that weird Reaper kid is? Oh, uh, when you like have to go through the Citadel, but it's all like gross and disgusting in there. Yeah. Like, what is with Bioware making me walk through gross stuff? Like, this is unsanitary. <laughs> like, this is the worst place for Captain Anderson to die. Whoops, spoiler. Oh, Space Dad. He deserved a better death than that. Like, he really did. Ah, shit. Damn, like, we went through so much shit together with this dude, and I'm sorry I cursed about my space dad in my Renegade run. I can't believe you cursed out space dad. I had to. He he didn't tell me the truth about him being a specter. Another spoiler. Well, Jesus. <laughs> Alright. Let me shut up. You know what? Um, We're on Twitter, Instagram, TLAT Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast. I'm gonna stop talking, because the more I, I start ranting about this game, I'm spoiling stuff. <laughs> And actually, it was very nice trying not to do that. So I'm going to keep quiet. So I think maybe we should say our goodbyes before I tell you what happens in the rest of the game. <laughs> Good night, y'all. I was walking with the For more great podcasts, visit adrianhasissues.com.